This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, Rush Nation, we're back. It's Wednesday. We're a day late. But it's the final week of the fantasy season, so we took an extra day to prepare to give you everything you need. It's me and Murph. Big man, how you doing? I'm all right. I, uh, I seem to have travelled for such a long time today, uh, for such a short distance. It's just <laughs> been... Uh, it's uh, it's bad out there. The trains and, and everything. Anyone that works in London would know um, how bad it's been. It's... Uh, been sort of six hours commuting today so uh it's good to be in the comfort of my own home uh spoiler i'm pulling back the curtain we're not in the studio today um but we are still here ready to provide a awesome show 100 percent. you pulled back the curtain we might as well say we're not in the studio why we're not in the studio today and that's because murph and i were in the studio yesterday recording some of the parts of our christmas podcast were we i don't remember that Oh, is that that's because you've been travelling for for so long? I thought that was last year's. <laughs> <laughs> it's day ho ho ho. It's it's not. It's a new one. Ah, yeah. what are we doing this year? Well, I can't tell. I can't tell you that. Can't tell you that. Otherwise, ah. the the game would be up before before Christmas has even got here. Ah, well, tell me, tell me offline. Catch okay. me up. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed. But yeah, Rush Nation, we have got a Christmas Day podcast for you. And it's going to be an absolute belter, trust me on that. But that's all you're going to get. That's the tease. 
it is uh, it is a cool giveaway. That's that's the other part of the tease. There will be a giveaway. There'll be something for you to find. Yeah, there might even be two giveaways. We haven't decided yet. Yeah, I think there will be. We'll we'll work it out. Cool, cool, Murph. Let's do some news. Let's do it. So let's start with Matt Patricia <laughs> and GM Bob Quinn are being retained by the Lions for the twenty-two season at least. I think I think this is a good thing because the Lions were unlucky in a first the a first half of the season they had a few games which they could have gone either way and then came out losing on those and it wasn't until they started to rack up real injuries that they they weren't playing good football so I, I think if they get a full roster and, and manage to keep hold of most of the pieces there I think they could be pretty competitive next year uh, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with Matt Patricia staying um, I guess they're a package deal um, I think Matt Patricia has been dealt some unlucky hands. Uh, I, I'm yet to be, say, sold on him, but I do think he probably has just about earned another year despite being 9-20-1. I'm not, I'm not sold on Bob Quinn. Um, so last year they had a lot of injuries. Uh, you had injuries to Stafford. Um, you had injuries to uh, several players. Uh, Marvin Jones was injured. Um Carry on, you know, carry on was injured. You had some injuries in the in the backfield. You had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, we're season on, and the same players got injured, and they got no cover. Um, and you know they didn't take a quarterback; they took a tight end, which was a position they needed, um, and they took uh, you know one of the the two Iowa boys. But I can't help but feel that there there was probably bigger needs on that roster, not necessarily a, a quarterback round one, but you know, to be left with David Blau throwing the football now is just it's just a bit bizarre for me. Jeff Driscoll was the backup, um, and he got injured. Um, but they didn't draft anyone new. And we know when you've got a back issue, it's something that you know is going to be an issue going forward. Um, you don't just get a back issue and then it goes away. It's it's something that's with you. So where's the forward planning? And I think that's the job of the GM is to learn from last year's mistakes and to rectify them. And he didn't do that. So I hold the GM culpable. And I think, yeah, I, th- I think he probably should go for what he's done this season. But they've decided to keep him. We see what they do next year. I'm not confident that they'll do much more than what they have now. Um, I mean, for me, what, what what's the level that you would say they need to get to? How many wins? If you were to put a number on it, that you feel that they're moving in the right direction next year? Eight? Yeah, I'd say eight, nine, maybe ten. I, I'm not saying ten would mean that they're they're definitely move, obviously ten. If they get to ten, they're definitely moving in the right direction. But I think I think they've got the roster to get to ten, and I think really. Yeah, I think they do. I think they, I think they started the season really well and playing good football. And they lost a close one to the Chiefs, and another one. I, I think they got squeaked in, and then injuries started hitting. But I think, yeah, I think they do. I think they've got the right players to get to ten. I don't think they've got any more than ten, and ten is definitely the ceiling. But I think they've got the players to get there or thereabouts. You and me are on completely different wavelengths. I don't think they've got anything close. Uh, they play; they're the fourth team in their division by a distance. Mm. You've got you've got the Packers um, and the Vikings, who for me are sort of neck and neck. You've got the Bears, who are a tear down, but they won the division last year. And then I think you've got uh, basically you've got the Grand Canyon in terms of depth between 
uh, those three and the Lions. I think they're so far behind in the rest of the division. They've got a very old roster. I don't see where... And they keep trading away players. Um, I don't see what they have coming through. Um, like I said, we, we would be seeing these these good young players. They've got some good... I mean, they have good players. like, um, But they've got a very old wide receiver core. All right, Kenny Gonday isn't so much that old. But you've got Danny Amendola. He's aging a bit. Um, and you've got Marvin Jones, who's getting on a bit. Um you know, you, you've got some good players there. They spent a lot of money on Trey Flowers. Good addition, but was it worth taking that much cap to, to get him? And they got Darius Slay. They've got, I mean, they've got some decent pieces, but there's some, and, you know, they, they do have some players I do like, like Frank Ragnow, I think is a good player. Um, but I just worry about what they've got. And the Stacks Harrison's another good player, but I just worry about everyone else. I think they've got, they've got a smattering of talent with some absolute garbage. Um, and players who wouldn't appear on any other roster. I mean, they've got no quarterback for me. Matt Stafford's a guy you can't rely on 16 games now with this back issue. David Blau is he's not good enough. There's just no disrespect to him. And nor is Jeff Driscoll. So they haven't got a quarterback on their roster. They they need wide receiver help. They need they need someone to back up Golladay because Golladay is um, not Golladay. Um, carry on because carry on is going to be injured. Um, but they need they need some more pass rush. They need some more depth um, in the secondary. Uh, they do, I think for me they need quite a few pieces that they need to to rectify uh, and get right. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I just think the the way they started the season, they I mean maybe this was their season to get their their ceiling win record, and maybe next year we don't see that at all anywhere near it. But I, I like the way they started the season, and I think you're right. I think this could be there's a few quarterbacks who are going to be out of contract at the end of the season. It wouldn't surprise me to see a veteran go in there for a season, just to to either back up a bit like Tannehill did with Mariota. We might see something along those lines because Stafford isn't good for 16, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. I think they need to get one, but I don't know who you would who you could get off free agency next year to to go in there. That'd be the interesting one, I suppose. Mm. But, that is, a, that is for another day. It sure is. So the Pro Bowl rosters have been announced, Smurf. Uh, yeah, they have been. Um, so uh, there's some no real surprises. I'm not going to read through all of them. Um, I'm just going to pick out some ones that uh, I found fascinating. I mean, we'll start with the AFC. So uh, Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. I don't think anyone can argue those three quarterbacks. Um, wide receivers there were Allen, Hill, Hopkins and Landry was a slight surprise for me. But then when you, I guess you look through the rest of the uh, AFC wide receivers, is there anyone else that you could feel makes a claim? Probably not. Um, I don't think so. There was no real big surprises for me in the, in the AFC. Um, Claire's Campbell making it as a defensive end really shocked me actually. Uh, Gino Atkins, I guess he's only there on popularity. Um, Marcus Pouncey, uh, I mean, he's only there because he defended his quarterback. There's no other reason I I feel that he he got in there Um, because he's not been good this season. So I don't know why he was uh, personally selected. But um, the ones I'm really pleased for, um, there are some players out here like uh, Tredavious White from Buffalo, really pleased he got in. Um, because I don't feel Buffalo get a lot of TV time, so I'm glad that 
uh, people have recognised how good he has been. By the way, how, how good are those four cornerbacks? I mean, that, they, yeah, you've got Gilmore, Humphrey, Peters and White. I mean, yeah, it's, it's incredible. I mean, they're... <laughs> I mean, even even outside linebacker, you've got Von Miller, TJ Watt, and Matthew Juden. I mean, they're, mm. they're great. I mean, it, it's hard to pick too many. Um, I, I wouldn't have picked Adams. I know he's he's so good, but he's barely played this year. He's not someone I necessarily would have uh, picked. But then I don't know who else you pick at strong safety. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I, I think more of the controversial picks for me were at the uh, were in on the NFC side, um, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, I thought were very strange. I mean, it's a popularity contest, right? But I thought they were very strange um, in terms of if you were going on, on merit. Yep. I don't think either of them deserved it, uh, Brees, due to the amount of games he missed. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers has been good this year. <laughs> um, I could I could name a number of, of uh, quarterbacks who I felt probably deserved to get in over him. Um, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins for me is the one I feel is is one of the biggest stumps of all time. Yeah, I mean even J- even Jameis has got some degree of of absolutely. he should be there on on the, on what he's done recently with the football. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there's some positions here you can't really argue. The running backs, Cook, Elliott. I mean, Elliott was a slight surprise, but then um, I mean you can't really knock McCaffrey and Cook in there, obviously. Um, uh, wide receivers have all come from the NFC South. Both Ev- Evans and Godwin got in. Jones and Thomas. I mean, that is a mean four wide receiver set. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be interesting to see. Obviously, because this roster has been announced, but uh, Evans has definitely hit the IR, isn't he? And yeah, I, but they're ham- they're hamstrings. I mean, they could probably recover to uh, to play in the Pro Bowl. I'd like to think that they probably would. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's a few in here. I'm a little surprised. Made it. Um, I'm just going through now. Um, who I think are, are the big surprise. I mean, Buda Baker, free safety. I think he's there on name. I don't think he's necessarily there uh, based on talent, but I suppose you've got to have that. Um, Cordell Patterson, a special teamer, I thought was slightly strange but the key thing is here that Baltimore had 12 players go to the Pro Bowl which is a, a new record that's a lot yeah Denver had one in Von Miller Miami had none um, the Rams only had two and one of them is Jalen Ramsey who you can count him as a Ram and a Jaguar I suppose and the other being Aaron Donald which I think is shocking considering how far they've gone New England only had three Saints have got seven. Saints got seven. Jets got Jamal Adams, which I think is travesty <laughs> that he's that he's gone. Um, even even Washington had two. <laughs> Actually, wow. I'm, I'm going for their rookie. Their rookie didn't. Um, I've just forgotten his name. Uh, rookie defensive player who um, has been leading the rookies in tackles. I feel unfortunate he didn't get a shout. But there you go. I, it's interesting. I mean, it's a, it's a popularity vote, isn't it? Um, for British listeners, uh, Jamie Gillen, the Scottish Hammer, he didn't make it um, into the Pro Bowl, which there was a big sort of call for him from British fans to, to get in. I'm not exactly sure um, that he should be getting in based on his nationality, but he has had a good season. So, um, But he misses out. Yeah, that's a shame. But like you say, it's there on merit, right? 
or supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I wouldn't say he wouldn't have got there uh, without merit. Like if he'd been, if he'd got into the Pro Bowl, he for me has been one of the four best punters in the AFC. Um, and I think if it, you know, you could you could make a case for him. He hasn't been terrible um, at all. He's been very very good and very consistent. But um, Tress Way for me was probably just a nudge better uh, from the NFC and then from the AFC side, um, which, uh, I mean, they gave it to, to Brett Kern from Tennessee. But, I mean, you could have made a case for any of them. I think all the guys in the AFC were pretty close from a punting side. Yeah, absolutely. So the Browns, Kareem Hunt has suggested that some of the Browns players took plays off in the loss to the Cardinals. The Browns are technically still alive in the playoff hunt, but their biggest opponent has often been themselves in what can only be described as a disappointingly shocking season. Kareem Hunt feels like his new teammates weren't giving their all in Sunday's loss to the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's fair play that he's, he's come out and said this. Um, I don't think he's wrong. Um, I think there's definitely something that's not right there. And I think, um, you know, probably by the time next week rolls on, they will be officially eliminated. Um, they've got uh, Baltimore on Sunday. So um, I cannot see, I mean, I know they beat Baltimore earlier in the season, but I don't feel confident that they will uh, They will do the job and, and beat them this time around. Um, you know, they played them, I think, with week three. Uh, very different to to playing them now, so yeah, I think uh, I think Hunt's right to call it out, and you know he's been part of a playoff team that was the one seed last year. I, I, he left before they uh, played in the playoffs due to some indiscretions on his part, but ultimately he's part of a winning culture before, and I think he is probably within his rights to to talk about. Um, he's certainly qualified enough for me to to comment what's going on. So yeah, hundred percent. So Drew Brees, near perfect at the weekend, set a passing TD. I think you were 29 of 30, didn't you? Something like that? Yeah, 29 of 30, which is a new um, accuracy record. Yeah. Highest completion percentage ever in the history of the NFL. That's pretty good to go 29 of 30. But just as, alongside that, he sets passing TD record in win. So Saints quarterback Drew Brees moved up in the record books yet again on Monday evening, passing Peyton Manning for the most career touchdown passes, 540, with three scores against the Colts. But I need, I need to asterisk this. There you go. I set you up. Off your pop. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this number is only uh, regular season, and he is still over 30 touchdowns away from Tom Brady, who holds the all-time passing touchdowns record so I have a, a bit of a you know I talked about last season when Breeze broke the passing yards record and they they stopped play and they gave him a paper certificate with uh, probably a, a voucher to his local Barnes and Noble bookstore so that he can you know buy some books when he retires or something um, got some local book tokens and just for me here's my big other than the fact that this is a record that's completely meaningless because it's not the most career touchdown passes. I mean, in its own wording, it's wrong. But Brady is only two behind and could break the record on Saturday. So we could realistically have Drew Brees, quote unquote, break the record. And then you can have Brady get the record on Saturday and then Drew Brees can break it on Sunday again. So I don't really understand. Like when... When Brady was playing on Sunday, this wasn't even mentioned. 
Like he missed it by one. <laughs> it's not like he was he was miles out and it was unlikely to happen. He was playing the Bengals. Like it was it was possible he could have broken the record on on Sunday and didn't. I I just find it strange that Drew Brees is is cel- I mean this he's a great quarterback. I've got nothing against Drew Brees. I just I don't like the fact that he is celebrated as this remarkable human being, even though he is. And yet you've got the greatest quarterback of all time and he doesn't even get a mention. And you just think it's just a very bizarre dynamic. And I think at the end of the season, whoever has the most uh, regular season passing touchdowns, then yeah, celebrate it then. Because these guys can trade it backwards and forwards in the next two weeks. It's a bit like when um, the Russian pole vaulter lady used to set world records. She only used to do one at a time in competition because if you did two, apparently you used to, in Olympic sports, if you broke a world record, you used to get money. Yeah, you used to get paid a bonus. Yeah, but you only get it once for breaking a world record. So if you broke it twice on the same event, you'd only get paid once for it. That's correct. So she'd go out and break it, win the event, but not jump anymore because she didn't. She wanted to break it next time for more money. That's yeah, essentially what uh, Drew Brees is doing here. I feel. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's just a bit strange because, like I said, if 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 for some reason, and it's unlikely given the fact they're playing the Bills, but let's say Tom Brady throws um, three touchdown passes against the Bills, which isn't out of the realms of possibility. Do we then throw a ticker tape parade for him and celebrate? Oh my God. Drew Brees is um, Tom Brady's just broken the career most passing touchdowns. And the other thing is Tom Brady congratulated Drew Brees on Twitter. So is Drew Brees going to have to then congratulate Tom Bre- Tom Brady on Twitter? And then on Sunday when Brees breaks it back, does he then get a congratulations again? Like I, it just is a very weird. I just you know what I'm like with records. I think when you set something and it's incredible then celebrate it, but celebrate it at appropriate time. I don't think it was an appropriate time uh, to do it. Yeah, so we'll stay with the Saints. And uh, Janoris Jenkins has a new home. The former New York Giants cornerback who was cut last week after he refused to apologise for using a slur on Twitter has been claimed by the New Orleans Saints. They've got a a history of this sort of signing, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they just all they do is sign um, Giants cornerbacks you know they took Eli Apple and ironically Jenkins is going to play ahead of Eli Apple who's going to be benched I think now um, who's not had a very good season um, yeah, I mean good luck to good luck to them I mean effectively it's a it's a rental right um, he's he's out of contract at the end of the season you sign him for a few weeks and, and see how you get on yeah yeah, so let's uh, now fire the cannons. Let's head down to Tampa. The Bucks could lose another key weapon on offense. Wide out Chris Godwin's hamstring injury leaves his availability to play for the rest of this season in jeopardy. Bad news for uh, Jameis Winston. Uh, yeah, uh, it is something to lose uh, Mike Evans uh, the week before to hamstring, and then he's now been put on IR. They also lost Scotty Miller as well to hamstrings. It's three wide receivers who have all picked up hamstring injuries. And uh, Bruce Arians actually said that maybe I'm working these guys too hard. Maybe it's on it's on me. Um, because to have three wide receivers go out with hamstring injuries within a week of each other is... It, 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 you have to point to the sports science guys a little bit and say mm. that maybe they were in the red zone a little bit too much. Um, it's unfortunate, but I mean, the St. Tampa aren't in the playoffs. They've already improved on last year. 
Um, they got a tough game Saturday against the Texans, which they, they're well in the game. Um, they have every chance to win that game um, before they finish against the Falcons at home. I think any Bucks fan, if, if, if the Bucks can split those two games and go eight and eight, I think every Bucks fan would, uh, would go out there and say that there's signs of, of progress. The defense is starting to come on in the second half of the season. Um, they're on a four-game win streak, which hasn't happened uh, since they went nine and five, uh, nine, uh, nine and seven a couple of years ago. Um, so I think it's it's unfortunate, but this isn't. If, if the Buccaneers were still in the playoff hunt, this would be a much say bigger loss than it is. It's, it's more big loss for fantasy than it is for uh, necessarily the the organization as a whole. Mm. Talking of a loss for the organization, the Seahawks announced on Monday that Josh Gordon, who they claimed off the waivers in November, was suspended indefinitely for violating the NFL policies on PEDs. They look all, all memes and gifts and stuff aside. This guy clearly has a serious issue with substance abuse and, and needs some serious help. Yeah, so he was banned not just for PEDs, but also for substance abuse. So PEDs is the first time he's been um, suspended for that. Um, this is his fifth suspension due to, to drugs. And I just think that you're putting him in a public environment and that's just not what he needs. And I think it's best for everybody now to just draw a line and say, that's it. Um and and don't put this suspension on him. It's a suspension, you know, just revoke his ability to play for, for two years or whatever it is. And then if he can pass subsequent drug tests or rehabilitation, whatever, then, you know, in a couple of years time, maybe he can apply to come back into the NFL. Um, I just think for his own well-being, if nothing else, you need to take him away because he can't help himself. And that's clear, and he needs to go and get the help that, that he needs. Absolutely. Um, NFL, NFL Network, sorry, Michael Silver has reported on Sunday that multiple Cleveland Browns players said, come get me to the Arizona Cardinals sideline, including wide receiver Jarvis Landry. Yeah, there's actually some uh, stories that have come out today that um, to, to sort of counter this, that uh, OBJ came out and said, that he um, apparently has been requesting trades to all teams, including CFL teams, <laughs> which I thought was quite funny for Odell, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's uh, who knows what's true and what isn't uh, with this. Ultimately, there's a big problem we've just talked about the Browns, and um, they they need to sort this out. Ultimately, they are going to have these guys on the roster next season. After that, there's probably going to be a change. Um, they need to, I, for me, I, th- I think it all points to the head coach for me. I think you need to change your head coach. I'm not really a one and done kind of guy, but um, they they need a, a leader in there who's going to rule the dressing room and the, at the moment the players rule it and it's not in a good way. So I think you need to change the culture. 100% it's not looking too good over there whatsoever. It's just in complete disarray from what it, you see on the TV and stuff and I don't think, like you say, I'm not really a one-and-done kind of guy either, but when you can see it so obviously that something culturally needs to change, I think you start at the top and everything else falls downhill, right? Well, let's not forget that Freddie Kitchens was pointed um, interim offensive coordinator midway through last season, and that was his first uh, coordinator position in the NFL. So it's mm. not like he was being, he was a long-term coordinator you know, he, he got the job around week seven, week eight when Hugh Jackson was fired. I can't exactly remember. 
and Greg Williams was given the, the head coaching job. And, um, you know, so he, that was his first time with stepping up to be a coordinator. He did it for half a season. It was about his relationship with Baker Mayfield. That relationship doesn't, and I have a problem with this because we, we see this time and time again that coaches get the jobs based on their relationship with the quarterback. This happened in Tampa. and I got first-hand experience with Dirk Cutter. He got the job from offensive coordinator to head coach because he was the guy who was going to unlock the number one draft pick, James Winston. And he didn't. He just didn't have that. You know, you can't just appoint a head coach based on his relationship with one guy even if it's the main guy, there's 52 other players on that roster and you need to have a strong communicator and a strong leader. And there's no coincidence that the teams that go to the playoffs every year have solid fundamentals in coaching. You look at every single one of the the 12 head coaches that are going to be in the, in the uh, playoffs this year. And there isn't any of those coaches you would turn around and not have at say Denver or, um, Washington next year, if you're a fan of the Redskins or the Giants or anywhere else, because they all have strong leadership from, um, you know, Mike Zimmer through to Mike, you know, uh, Shanahan through to Bill Belichick. Um, Sean McDermott has done a phenomenal job of what he does there with, with the Bills. Every one of those coaches is, is a very, very good coach. And it's, it's proven um, that they get to the top through coaching. And, you've got to have experience in leading teams and you can't just be appointing at some point you've got to give people a chance and everyone went for the young new shiny thing in, in Sean McVeigh, but Sean McVeigh is a leader. You can see that by the way he commands dressing rooms and commands respect. Um, he's a good coach because he is a strong leader and a strong communicator where there's all these other new young hires um, Cliff Kingsbury, jury's out. He seems to have a good command there and the players are buying in. So I'm not judging him on this season, but we'll see. Zach Taylor doesn't look like for me that he has command of that situation. Um, I don't know who any other young, really young coaches are. I think you'll go back to the other way now and people will start to hire more experienced coaches. And I wouldn't be surprised if Mike McCarthy, the former Packers head coach, will get the job in Cleveland if it becomes available. Uh, come January. Yeah, interestingly, uh, a coach, an experienced coach in, in Jim Harbour has done what experienced coaches don't tend to do and that's changed the entire dynamic around a player that's come in as opposed to try and fit the player that's come into the dynamic that's already there. So it's it's interesting to see, obviously he's in one of the top 10 coaches like you mentioned, but sometimes you get the veteran coaches and stuff who aren't willing to to change their mantra and so forth, but he's He's almost come in with his veteran head on doing what a rookie or young coach would do in employing a whole new regime, like completely over the next year. So what we saw last year is completely different to this year. And it, I think he's a, he's a strong contender for someone, one of the best leaders in the league, a coaching job as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think what, as we were saying, it's amazing that 12 months ago, didn't think he was even going to be in this job and I think it's incredible what they're what they're doing so um yeah I I I think the real test of of this hardball regime with Lamar Jackson is is not this year it's uh it's next year um because now everyone will have the opportunity to monitor and look at it for the off season and actually can he 
can he invent again? Can he take this this offense up another level? Because he's obviously elevated it so far, but can he go again to stay ahead of the curve uh, and almost continue to reinvent week after week and, and month after month for for a season? Yeah, certainly will be interesting to see how that pans out. But staying with the Ravens, quarterback Lamar Jackson received 704,699 total fan votes to lead all NFL players in balloting for the Pro Bowl, cementing him as the league's most beloved player this year. Did you vote in the Pro Bowl, Murph? Uh, I, I better be honest. No, I didn't. Um, no, I didn't I, either. I, mean, <laughs> I, I guess my, my issue is with it is I, I love the idea of a pro bowl right I, for me i'd like to see it in the summer i think i've been quite vocal about this in the past um I, i'd like to see it in the summer i don't like it at the end of the season um because you get all these injuries and i and i think you should celebrate being there but i do think it needs to be it's not entirely a fan vote it is coaches care because um chris godwin for example was seventh in uh voting for wide receivers actually he was sixth in the nfc he was seventh overall uh, but it's been selected one the four based on coaching but then you still get like aaron Rodgers get in as we mentioned and you just get these legacy players who get in because they're a name in the nfl i just don't like that element of it i, I it's almost like a, a an old-fashioned dickensian boys club um you're in so you get to stay in if you're like one of the big names, even if you're not playing well. And I would rather have it as the best players from that season get in. And sometimes that happens. Not always. Kirk Cousins, I think for me is it's criminal how he's not in the, in the pro bowl for me. I just think it's such a, such a shame. I don't think he's the only one either. I think there's many others that uh, perhaps should still, that should be in the pro bowl that, that aren't. I'm trying to think of some uh, off the top of my head. <laughs> um, Cortland yeah. Sutton. Cortland Sutton for me, how he's not got in at the AFC, especially over Jarvis Landry, I don't understand that. Yep. He's been exceptional this year. Yeah, he's yeah. arguably the best route runner in, in the NFL. But he plays for a small market team now because they don't win a lot of games, unfortunately, in Denver as well, supporters they are. And I'm not trying to belittle the franchise, but because they're only a four win five win team at the moment, they don't get as many games on primetime television. And that's a big, that skews a lot of the voting. That's why I was so glad for Tredavis White, because he's a player who has had a phenomenal season, but he's not on TV that much. John Brown is another one that was worth some consideration. Um, Even Josh Allen. Yeah. I don't think you can argue with the QBs that they selected. Uh, Well, no, no, but I'm just saying because of, Maybe he doesn't get as much telly as he should because of where he plays. No, I, I, I mean, I agree with that. Um, but I, it's hard to go against uh, Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to win the MVP, Patrick Mahomes and um, Deshaun Watson as those three. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he's In done better than those the, three. But Yeah. By the way, there's some breaking news that Josh Jacobs is officially out for week 16. Oh, that's annoying. I'm sure I own him in one of the finals. I mean, <laughs> I think it's probably against you. Yeah, let's hope not. Well, I think I think it is. But oh no, no, I don't think it is. Oh, but I'll find out. But no one cares about my fantasy team. Yeah. So, Chargers quarterback Philip Rivers addressed the uncertainty about his future with the teams following 
with the team following Sunday's blowout loss to the Vikings. Rivers is entering the final two-game stretch of his contract. I have not heard anything about this, man. Uh, yeah, he's just basically saying that he's not sure uh, what's going to happen. Another player in a very similar boat is Greg Olsen, um, whether he's playing the final two uh, games of his career with um, Carolina uh, or in Carolina. Talking about big cap hits, free agency on the horizon. I mean, with there's slightly different situations with Rivers. He's a free agent next year. Um, he's clearly not performing at the level he was. Um, Phil Rivers is one of those players that he's a timing quarterback. So he doesn't look to see that a man is open and throws. He throws the ball uh, to a certain timing and cadence and expects the man to be there to receive the ball. And that's how Phil Rivers has played. Uh, and that's why he was so devastatingly effective for many years, um, despite never winning a Super Bowl or even making a Super Bowl. Um, the problem is, is, as he's got older, is he, his mechanics have slightly slowed down. Um, and it just as a result, the timing is off. It's not what it used to be. And unfortunately, he doesn't know another way to play. It's like having to, it's like having to try and change your golf swing after so many years due to an injury or uh, a strain or whatever it might be. Um, and that unfortunately is going to take longer than perhaps what he's available to play. So I can't see the charges, even though he's been there his whole career, I can't see them bringing him back. I just think that this is probably the end of, of Phil Rivers in LA. And I can see him going to a team who draft a rookie and maybe going in there and and looking after him um, for a year and then going off into the sunset. I can see that as quite realistic, but who, who am I to, to know for sure? Mm. He's got a lot of people to move if he does move, that's for sure. Yeah, oh yeah absolutely. Well, that's another <laughs> thing to consider. <laughs> so the Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, placed most of the blame for Andy Dalton's four interception in Sunday's loss to the Patriots on the receiver core. Taylor says the wide receivers were bullied by the Patriots. That should have gone in Matt Nagy's obvious corner. Yeah, I guess it could have done. Um, I mean, I, to say the Patriots are going to bully your wide receivers, that's, that's I mean, not original, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's absolutely not. But um, I think what he's trying to do there is he's trying to restore the... Um, confidence in his in his quarterback but ultimately the Bengals season isn't going to be defined by losing to the Patriots um they have clinched the one seed now I actually think they're going to beat the Dolphins on Sunday I'm gonna call it now okay okay I don't I think know how I feel about I just yeah maybe I don't, I don't know how I feel about that okay it's confused me that's yeah. con- that's confused me. I wonder how Lee feels about that. Yeah, I mean, you can ask him. We'll ask him afterwards. Well, Lee, I know you listen. Let's know. Fire the Candace Murph. We're back to Tampa. Bruce Arians on Shaq Barrett has said he ain't going anywhere. Shaq Barrett signed a one-year, $4 million deal with Tampa this offseason, and the pending free agent will almost certainly cash in after having an incredible season. Do you think your boys re-sign him? I, so I never thought he would. But um, their press conference on Sunday, both Arians and Barrett uh, were pretty open about this without um, saying that it was done. So I don't think it is done, but I think it's close. Um, I think Shaq Barrett, first of all, he's always played in a 3-4, and I think he suits a 3-4. 
I think he appreciates the fact that Tampa have given him an opportunity to play. Um, and that, that's, that's not getting, he's a pro bowler now. He is probably going to make the all pro team. Um, he's going to be in consideration, but I don't think he wins defensive player of the year. He's probably going to lead the league in sacks at the end of the season. He's going to break the Tampa Bay rec- uh, franchise record for sacks. He's tied with Warren Sapp with two games to go. This is a guy who couldn't get any playing time in Denver in the last two years. Mm. Um, and that that's not because it partly was the talent in front, you know, getting blocked by Von Miller. Like it's, it's not exactly like he's deplacing a, a player, but, but the other part is he didn't suit that system and certain players suit certain systems. And he is, I think he appreciates that he will thrive in this Tampa defense. Um, I would see a production regression next year because people will just start double teaming him um, and start taking him out of games, which is great for Tampa because you can put other guys in to be explosive. And I think that's what they're going to pay him. Um, Shaq Barrett has basically said that he will give Tampa a discount. And I think you'll probably see a deal where he's going to get about 12, 12 and a half million a year is my gut is what I would say. Whereas I think he, other teams might have to pay as much as 14, 15 million a year to sign him, yeah. which considering he's on a one year, 4 million, uh, dollar deal with some incentives which he hit it's a nice payday for him it's tripling his money um he's going to get some security in that um and he's going to get to play where in a system that plays to his strengths oh, and yeah, allows him absolutely. to be a, an all pro and a, and a pro bowler so uh, why would you leave if you're going to get triple the money even if you get a little bit more elsewhere and especially if you're enjoying the time down there as well. Yeah, yeah and I think that's quite apparent. I think he, he likes the coaching staff. Um, I think everything's good there. I, I didn't expect the Buccaneers to necessarily pay that money, which is why I didn't think it would happen. But uh, clearly Arians is making sure that he doesn't go anywhere. Um, I think it's it's a good move as long as it doesn't hamper other areas of the roster. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So in their final game in Oakland, the Raiders blew a 13-point lead to the Jacksonville Jaguars, leaving their fans with one last gut punch. Head coach John Gruden has come out and apologised after the loss. Yeah, I, I, I think he should. I think he, if I had to lay the, the blame for anybody here, I would say it was, it was John Gruden. I thought the way that they played that fourth quarter was shambolic. Um, I thought it was nervous. I thought it was soft. I thought it was gutless. Um, you know, they were 13-3 up and they were poor in that last quarter. Um, and, you know, Vegas fans were talking about uh, a, knee, a knee slide in bounds that was called out of bounds for Derek Carr that would have wound the time down to 30 seconds. Ultimately, they were so bad uh, down the stretch there. Sorry, 16-3, it was not 13. Um it lies squarely at the the coaching staff for me. I think you had opportunities to score there where it was just a safety first. We can't afford to lose. It's our last game. Nerves trickled in and you can kind of understand that, but it was a very uh, un-Gruden-like coaching performance. Um, And I think he apologized because he realizes that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I see it, it would have been, I just think, as a Raiders fan, you would have wanted to go there and against the team that was definitely beatable. And I think that's what makes it even worse. It's not like they were going there to to get smashed by Kansas. Like you, you they were playing the Jags, and I don't even think that. I think you, if you're going to go and support a team, I think you always have to accept the fact that in the NFL or in any 
professional sport where you're playing a team in the top tier, top division, you you accept the fact that you you can lose games um, to anybody, and I think it's the way that you lose a game is important. I think if you if they just if it'd been a forty six forty four win for the Jaguars, I don't think anybody would have felt this annoyed. But the fact that it was sixteen to three, it was very negative game script. It was negative play in that fourth quarter rather than trying to go for one more touchdown to ice the game. It was just very much take time off the clock. It was just it was it was so it just it sucks all the life out of the game. And as you as a fan, if you're watching your team be very negative and just, you know, try and run the clock down and just try and manage the game without really managing the game because they weren't even doing a good job at it. That was the other side of it. Is they weren't even doing a good job managing the game. They had two field goal opportunities, which they missed. Um, they didn't really move the chains all that well. Um, Derek Carr looked like a deer in headlights at times. The offensive line fell apart. If they'd gone all out and put the effort in and lost, I think the fans would have just gone, all right, well, fine. But they, they played to the end. This team quit in the third quarter. And yeah, I, I, I think that's why they were annoyed. And I don't blame them because you, you pay that money, you support the team for years. The team's been stripped away from you. It's a team that, that most of these people would have followed their entire lives. Um, they don't want the team to go. It's been taken away from them for money reasons and greed and the city have forced them out. They're not going to get to see their team anymore. And then they put in a performance like that and that's what you're going to remember them by. It's... I kind of like I'm not advocating throwing nachos or uh, kicking seats in or anything like that, but I understand the frustration. I even understand the booze. Mm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. Dolphins coach Brian Flores was fined $25,000 this week for arguing with and getting real close and personal with referee Craig Wolstad following a late game pass interference review last week. I haven't seen this. Did it end up? Did it was he in his grill? It was just hilarious. So as um, the game ended, it cut to the game and all you saw was Brian Flores like hurtling down the touchline like someone that just, it was like someone had abused his family. <laughs> he just absolutely lost it. He went straight into the guy's face, started yelling at him, he pointed at him. <laughs> and, and he's right because <laughs> the, the pass interference rule now has changed mid-season. It was, it, don't get wrong, if you were to say to me now, was it the right decision? It was. But that was a decision that if it had been played in week three, wouldn't have been given. Um, they've changed the threshold and it's inconsistent. And I think that's why Flores was annoyed. Probably shouldn't throw his toys out of the pram. I don't know what he said, but I don't think he did anything that was that terrible. He just was very angry in the screen cut. To have you ever seen Friends when Joey goes to... And he presents the soap award. So this is going to surprise. This is going to surprise you, Murphy. I haven't really seen much Friends. What's wrong with you? <laughs> have you never seen Friends? I have seen it, but I've I've not seen it as much as I guess people of our generation have because Emma quotes it all the time, and I'm just I've got no idea what she's talking about. And yeah, I've, I have seen it. I know who they are and, and everything about it, but just I've not seen much okay. of it. So I'll do this for the listeners at home. Um, so the episode where Joey, uh, he's a soap actor and he 
gets asked to he gets nominated for a soap award and it's not even like a good soap award it's like a, a bottom rung soap award but he's never won the award before and he goes with rachel and he gets really excited um and rachel's like okay but you've got to practice your commiseration face because the camera will be on you and you'll just have to be like a good loser and he finds out he doesn't win and he goes absolutely irate at the camera <laughs> like right he goes all right that, that's what it reminded me of um I'll try and find the clip and send it to you so you can get a bigger point of reference. Thanks. <laughs> uh, well, there is a, uh, another film spoiler in the Christmas Day extravaganza special Rush Nation. So, yeah, little cheeky plug for that. Absolutely. But that one's probably bigger. I'd say that one was bigger. Because uh, at least I know what this one is. Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah, I'll give it that. Okay, right. This Cowboys one, Murph, I've, I've only seen pictures and stuff of it. So I, why don't you explain to me what happened in the Cowboys game? <laughs> this is hilarious. So what happened was at the start of the game, um, the captains led by uh, Dak Prescott had basically what happens is that at, at the coin toss, if you win the coin toss, you either defer to the, uh, you either defer to the second half um, which basically means that you'll get the ball in the second half, which from an analytical play means you should end up with one extra possession across the game. Um, they've done a massive study. It works out that basically by doing that, you should have the ball in theory, um, percentage-wise. More often than not, you end up with one more possession than the other team. But what he said, he said it in a very weird order that said that he would like to kick off and then said defer. And the referee didn't hear him say defer. So basically, the referee had assumed and asked him twice, so you want to kick off? And Dak was like, yes. He's like, are you sure you want to kick off? And Dak was like, yeah, no, we'll, we'll kick off. So then they kicked off. And by instruction, by instructing that you wish to kick off, it basically says that you're going to kick off both the first and the second half, meaning that LA would get the ball both halves. Wow. But then what happened, so this was playing on, it was going all through uh, the internet and Twitter and everything. And then at half time, um, Fox had found some footage where they'd actually heard him say uh, defer. And so they then played it to back to whoever it was in New York and basically it got to New York and, and New York had made a decision. And then the Cowboys received the ball in the second half, which was what they asked to do anyway. Um, but it just seemed like the referee didn't hear um, didn't hear that instruction. Yeah, well, it didn't seem to matter because they absolutely shellacked the Rams. And uh, after the Los Angeles disappointing loss on Sunday afternoon, it was a big win for the three of its NFC rivals playing elsewhere. Seattle, Green Bay and the 49ers all clinched playoff berths with the Rams' loss. Yeah, so it looks like the playoff picture could, could in theory, um, be wrapped up this uh, this week. Um, so there's some clinching scenarios. Um, I'm not going to list them all because it's quite long, but there is a scenario out there where every all 12 playoff teams can be confirmed uh, this week. And week 17 will just be about where they seed. So if you do play in a week 17 final, speak to your commission because it could be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it really could. I mean, the, the, the ways, the big results to make that happen would be Dallas to win. Um, and that would lock the um, Dallas to win, Minnesota to tie, or the Rams to lose. And that would lock the six NFC. And then for the 
AFC is slightly more. Tennessee would need to lose. Houston would need to win. And Pittsburgh would need to tie or better. Okay. And that would lock all 12. Uh, but it would just not the seeds, like as in where they might, but the 12 teams would be locked. That would be fun. So, yeah, week 17. I, I'm glad I'm not really in anything for that week because absolute carnage. Well, to give you an example, the, the Ravens have already said that if uh, they clinched the one seed this week with a win, then uh, they will uh, rest the March in week 17. Which makes sense. Yeah, of course. Come on then, Murph. Let's over to Matt Nagy's obvious corner. And Matt Nagy admitted that all three phases weren't clicking at the same time in the defeat to the Packers on Sunday. But Nagy didn't have it his own way, though. Mitch Trubisky in his press conference said, I feel like they were pretty good, Trubisky said of the Packers. They had a really good front. I felt like our older line played really well. I thought we could have taken more pressure off them moving the pocket a little more and getting me out. We've just got to continue to find ways to take pressure off our O-line with a good pass rush like that, continuing to mix it up, whether it's with screens, running it, draws, all that kind of stuff helps. It seemed like shots fired at head coach and play caller Matt Nagy when asked to clarify his comments. Trubisky made it clear. We could have done a lot of stuff here, he said. (laughs) (laughs) Hey coach, there's a bus. Do you want to take a trip under it? (laughs) I mean... They just seem to be imploding. Um, so Nagy, I mean, first of all, all three phases weren't clicking at the same time. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, of course not, because you lost the game. Also, how do you get offensive defense and special teams all clicking at the same time when only one is on the ball or one's playing at any one time? <laughs> I found that interesting. Um, <laughs> it just, it's just, I don't know, it's just like he doesn't uh, think before he speaks. Um, but I love the fact that Trubisky's like throwing Nagy under the bus after the whole season Nagy's been trying to protect Trubisky. <laughs> just like, wow. Um, it's a mess there. They need to sort that out in the off-season what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, uh, right, that's it. I've had it. You're going under. Yeah, absolutely. Right, Murph, I'm going to run through the start sits real quick. Then we'll have some Murph on the streets. And you can you can cover off the start sits in the Look Ahead podcast later on in the week because we are time precious. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the starts of this week at quarterback are Mitch Trubisky. Not Matt Nagy's not saying so. <laughs> so, yeah, Mitch Trubisky versus the Kansas City Chiefs and Matt Ryan versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, running backs, Marlon Mack versus the Carolina Panthers and Austin Eckler versus the Oakland Raiders. Wide receiver is Will Fuller versus Tampa Bay and Tyler Lockett versus the Cardinals. And then sits, we've got quarterbacks, sorry, quarterbacks Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings because he is absolutely dreadful in Minnesota. Baker Maker, Baker Maker, Baker Mayfield versus the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, running back Devin Singletary versus the Patriots. Todd Gurley versus the San Francisco 49ers. I will just preface that and say that they are very hard to sit given the very few amount of viable running backs. So when I say sits, they're more temper your expectations necessary than the actual order of sitting. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, fair. So, yeah, that was uh, temper your expectations on Devin Singletary against the Patriots and Todd Gurley against the 49ers. And then wide receivers, you've got OBJ versus the Ravens and Robert Woods versus the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely. 
there's your start sits for the week. Hold tight for Murph's Look Ahead podcast because they'll be covered a little bit more in depth. Right, yeah, big man. Looking behind the curtain, one part one is uh, recorded, part two. And apologies for not getting part two out last week. You heard my voice. I, I send the apology in, in part one. Um, but um, my voice was so bad. I tried to record it and the voice went. <laughs> so it was just dead air. <laughs> we don't need no dead air. No, absolutely not. Um, I found the streets this week a little bit tough, but I've tried to uh, have some fun with it. Um, it's more about sort of clinching scenarios and milestones at this sort of year, but um, uh, there are some good ones in here. So first one, Eli Manning has now thrown an interception against every NFL team, except um, now he's thrown an interception. Except the Giants. It's the only one he's not thrown an interception against uh, because he's only ever played for the Giants. Although technically he was a uh, he was a charger for a little yeah, bit. He was. <laughs> uh, for like twenty four minutes or whatever it was. Um so uh with a rushing T D on the first play of the fourth quarter, Adrian Peterson has tied Walter Payton or a Hall of Famer for four full time in career rushing touchdowns with hundred and ten. Um James Winston is the first player in NFL history with four hundred and fifty passing yards in consecutive games, uh four fifty six in week fourteen versus the Colts, and then four fifty eight against the Lions. Uh, the Bills are making their first appearance on Sunday Night Football since week 11, 2007. Um, this was when they played on Sunday. So it was their first appearance on Sunday Night Football for 12 years. What? Yeah. How, did, how did that happen? Because they're not very, they weren't very good. It's a primetime spot. So you just don't put a primetime team in a primetime spot. I can't remember the last time Tampa were in a Sunday Night Football game. Long time. Five years? Yeah. Okay. So you save this for like prime teams or the Steelers because they're on like every week. Um, and ironically, we're in this game. Funny. Um, but yeah, so they actually, with the win, they won their first um, Sunday night football game since week one in the year 2000. <laughs> and, and in that time, so since the Bills first won, the Steelers appeared in 38 games on Sunday and won 22 of them. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is mental. Absolutely stupid, isn't it? So that just uh, points to it a little bit. Um, the 49ers are the first team to have 10 wins in a season and to lose three or more games in the final 10 seconds of regulation slash overtime since the Eagles in the year 2000, who finished 11-5 and five and lost to the Giants in the divisional round. So not all signs pointing to be good there. Uh, uh, wow. The final yeah. 10 seconds. Yeah, um, they lost to uh, they lost in overtime to the Seahawks. Uh, they lost the last kick of the game to Justin Tucker, and then they lost with two seconds on the clock uh, when Julio Jones put him ahead. And then they the Falcons scored that ridiculous uh, touchdown when mm. basically they were trying to throw laterals, and it just bobbled everywhere and ended up in a touchdown, which uh, Jack Duffin ended up winning um, some money on because he bet over fifty points in that game. And it came in, whereas it wasn't going to come in. Oh, what a dirty win. I love that. <laughs> um, um, so with eleven yard, with his 11-yard reception in the first quarter, Travis Kelsey became the first tight end to score, uh, to have four consecutive 1,000-yard receiving seasons in NFL history. Um, I do have uh, a new one that I've just found, actually. So uh, among all QBs to start every game this season, Lamar Jackson 
um, is ranked first in passer rating and Baker Mayfield is ranked last in passer rating. Sunday will be the fifth time since 1990 that the QB with the highest passer rating and the QB with the lowest passer rating will meet in week 10 or later. Um, all four passer rating leaders won the previous four matchups. Oh, and all four of the passer rating leaders went on to win the MVP that season. That's Rich Gannon in 2002 before he lost the Super Bowl to the Buccaneers, Peyton Manning in 2004, Tom Brady in 2007, and um, Aaron Rodgers in 2011. So all signs point to one, the Ravens winning the game on Sunday, and two, Lamar Jackson being voted the MVP. That is a phenomenal stat. Where did you drag that beast from? Twitter. Um, that was uh, NFL research on Twitter. That's a good one. That's a great way to finish the streets, Murph. Yeah. Well, I felt it was lacking a little something, and then I uh, was on there and found that. So I was like, dream. I've got a pack in the step. <laughs> That's it. Good. Listen, got to leave him wanting more. Well, talking of wanting more, you've got the look ahead. One of them's already in my um, inbox, a waiting edit. And the second one, I imagine I'll get some point tomorrow afternoon, maybe. But... Uh, Friday, Friday, it will be. Um, it won't be tomorrow. Um, yeah, so I've done the first 10 games of the sleet. Um, there is six more to do, which one will um, get out to you Friday. Awesome. Love that. Well, Rush Nation, that's it. That's... Uh... This is it. This is the last podcast before the fantasy season comes to an end. Uh, last flagship, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously we have. We apologise for for not having a guest. We did try to uh, get one, and there were some people that are really gracious and were happy to come on. Just not this week, obviously, given the nature of uh, how busy it is um, in the industry. So, rather than uh, just sort of go for a half-hearted guest or someone who we didn't feel could add. A lot of value. We just decided to get the Christmas uh, episode partly done, which I hope you all uh, appreciate, love and adore. We got some great guests for that. So um, we put the effort on that instead. But having said that, if there is any questions on your lineup, uh, anything you need, get it across to us via the usual channels um, and we will um, do what we can. Ultimately, um, we're not here to manage your team. We're here to give you the best information for you to make the decisions. If you win your league, that's on you. It's not because of us. If you lose your league, it's also not because of us. Um, um, even though we we feel bad when we give advice that doesn't lead to people winning. And we do. We feel them a lot more than the successes. Um, but we do get some great tweets from people thanking us for all their uh, for all our advice and, and literally all we do is we're just giving you information to make an informed decision um and appreciate everybody who has listened to one episode or i don't know how many episodes we've done this season we've done a lot 60 yeah. 70 i don't know how many episodes we've done this season but probably probably somewhere between 50 and 60 episodes this season and if you've listened to them all then hit us up uh let us know um the other thing I was going to announce was um, we will probably do some form of playoff um, tournament, uh, fantasy football. Um, I haven't quite worked. I found a platform to do it on. Um, I haven't quite worked out what the format's going to be. So I might play with that this weekend or next week. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on the Twitterverse for how you can get uh, involved in that. And I don't think we're going to do too many leagues, um, but we might do 
I don't know, two or something like that. Sure. For those and, who want uh, to play some playoff, uh, playoff fantasy football. Yeah, yeah. And talking of leagues, if you are in a final of one of our 11 listener leagues, congratulations. And uh, when you win it, we will be in contact about shirt size to send you one of the limited edition Five Yard Rush listener league winners t-shirts. And don't worry, if you came last in the listener league, you're going to get yourself a Five Yard Rush wooden spoon, which I do say so myself are pretty sick. But that's all I'm going to say on the matter. Murph, this has been absolutely great, mate. So just on that public announcement of that, if we win the listener league, the runner-up isn't getting the t-shirt. Yeah, that's fair. We we we're keeping the t-shirts. So, but, um, but the runner-up will get a place in the in the next year's Champions League Cup. Correct, the Champions of Champions League that we will put together. So yes, the runner-up will get a spot in that, but they will not get a t-shirt. So don't at us if we beat you in a final of the listener league and then say oh well i came second can i have a t-shirt no it's winners only if you win your league uh, and it's a listener league you will get a t-shirt from us and we will send it to you in the, at some point in the new year um because it's going to be custom designed with some rad design that you and lee have come up with oh, man, it's um, awesome it is, it is so good is awesome. and um yeah but if you do finish as the runner-up to us um because we're in three of them then you will get a spot so you're basically locked into a spot into the Champions of Champions tournament that we will launch for an extra special prize next year. Cool. Okay. Okay. This all sounds way too spicy. Let's get the devil out of here. Fire up the extinguishers. Put this fire out. Rush Nation, congratulations. Mm. I keep interrupting because I keep thinking things I've not put on the show sheet. Um, but there was um, one last thing, and I feel bad um, that I didn't get to this um, sooner. Um, but we actually got an amazing review on uh, this week. And I know we sometimes read out reviews and sometimes we don't, um, but I wanted to read this one. It was extra uh, special because it came all the way from uh, our second or third favorite country, um, Canada, where surprisingly we are reasonably popular. Um, (laughs) So much so we actually chart higher in Canada than we do in America. Um, And so shout out to, um, the username is Canadian Love, um, and I, I think his name's Ryan. Um, I think that's actually his uh, username. Uh, sorry, the title of the review is Canadian Love. Uh, his name's Ryan, uh, Ryan Suter, um, and he put, "I don't have time. I don't have the time I used to read endless articles and rankings to help with my lineups. Now I have two young children. I rely on these guys for my wave up." wire pickups and they have done a great job helping me get to the semi-finals of my ffpc money league which is big money so uh, i'm glad that we've helped with that against some sharks i listened to the podcast on my way to and from work and enjoy their insight i tried the fantasy blackbook podcast with joe piece here but these guys do a much better job of giving a detailed <laughs> review of weekly matchups and start sits uh, thanks for all the work you guys do ryan so ryan um i got this and i was like so uh, genuinely excited and pleased just that you gave us five stars, but actually that you listened to us in Canada. Um, I'd love to, I'd, I'd love for you to get in touch with us uh, on Twitter. Um, one, just so I can hear how you came to hear of us in Canada and why all of a sudden we've become, I'm not going to say like massively popular in Canada, but why people are listening in Canada. So I just, I'm fascinated too, because I'd like to send you uh, a little something from, from us just to, reaching out and uh, and say and passing that on because that uh, review really meant a lot to to both of us i think 100 mm, percent, yeah 
So yeah, right, do get in contact at Five Yard Rush. Let us know. I mean, you know, Murph, maybe one day we'll get a key to a little village in, in Canada. Uh, yeah, I mean, amazing. I'd love to go back to Canada. It's been a lot of years since I did a very brief visit there. And uh, it's a wonderful place with wonderful people like Ryan. So Ryan, honestly, that review was uh, amazing. Thank you so much for, for writing that. We're very humbled. Um, and yeah, just I really am keen for you to get in touch just to find out a bit more about how you came to hear of us and just to get a bit more about you, man. It's all about community and, and, and love. We, we speak to a lot of our listeners uh, through different communication channels and love to reach out to more. 100% right Murph this time you can't say anymore we are getting out of this we're busting the doors off Rush Nation Merry Christmas this is going to be the last time you hear from me until Christmas Day so for me Merry Christmas enjoy your festivities Murph I will catch you down the road because we're going to catch up before Christmas but Rush Nation good luck in week 16 if you make the finals let's go get them ships but as always until next time don't forget keep rushing HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.